Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to another episode of the Recruitment Flex podcast. I'm Shelly Billinghurst and joined with me today, of course, no big surprise, but drum roll all the same, my co-host Serge Boudreaux. Serge, what's going on? I do need to find that drum roll kind of um, <laughs> sound effect queued up, and I can get. I'll, I'll do it after in the editing. Okay, okay. That was a really low energy intro, Shelley. Are, are you okay? Are you doing it? Oh, we're almost you know, like. No, right do you know what? I need a sugar fix. Honest to God, I, I don't think um, I've had. I have had my fill of coffee, but I could I could use a piece of chocolate right about now. All right, let's do chocolate right after. But we have okay. a pretty. Special guests, as yes. we always do, but this one uh, I've known Jeremy for. Actually, I'm going to let you introduce Jeremy. Oh, I do I get to? Well, thank yeah. you, because uh, yeah. that's very nice. Because I'm I'm a new friend. Uh, I'd like to introduce our guest today, Jeremy Tiffin. He was the president of Horizon Recruitment. Jeremy, thanks for joining us on the show. It's great to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. Yes. So you and Serge have met before. You guys know each other. Going back, we're talking. Like six months ago, six years ago, how long have you known each other? I think everyone that I've met uh, is is happened this year. So uh, my network before this year was like four people, but now it's. <laughs> You're full I'm of kidding. Shit. We we actually met. <laughs> you uh, are so January. full of shit. I think we met at oh, February March, so around that time. Somewhere somewhere in the neighborhood, yeah. So if you only knew four people before the pandemic, you've done well for yourself <laughs> within a pandemic. Done really well. Plenty yeah, of time absolutely. now. I can reach out to people. Exactly. So I became an extrovert <laughs> now that I'm stuck in a basement. Decided, okay, I'm going to be an extrovert. Really, go. really good to have you, Jeremy. And we're excited to not only get your insights on what's going on in the recruitment world, but also you released the, uh, an ebook that I thought was really interesting. When I read it, I'm like, we need to get Jeremy back on the show. Mm-hmm. So we'll mm-hmm. go through this book. But the six steps to hiring the best in accounting and finance. But for this episode, we're just going to talk about the six steps to hiring the best. It sounds like a plan. Yeah, yeah. because the, really, the, the six steps in there can be applied to really any skill set. It is targeted to accounting and finance. But yeah, I mean, the, the framework in there is applicable to a wider audience for sure. Yeah. So I'm wondering if you'll indulge me with something, Jeremy. It's, it, it's something that I love to hear from every single guest we've had on the show. And that is, how did you land into recruitment? Like before we dive into the ebook, because I loved it too. I, I read it and loved it. Thank you. But well, thanks, share with guys. us, share with us your journey into recruitment. How, how did you get there? You know, I'd, I'd love to. And it is, I mean, it, honestly, it, it was one of those it, and maybe it hasn't been for, for some folks, but probably maybe for the three of us, almost, you know, a, a defining moment in, in my life, really. I mean, because I've spent 20 some odd years in recruitment. Um, so in, in a lot of things, a lot of ways, it's based on so many things in, in business and in life, relationship. I went to college with a guy who, after we graduated, I went to BCIT, the British Columbia Institute of Technology, and when we graduated, I had, I had a buddy that I was going to play hockey with. And so we hadn't seen each other for, I don't know, six months. We got together for a beer before we were going to join the same hockey team. And he asked me what I was doing. And at the time, I was working in the, the publishing industry. 
And so I was in circulation. I was always hanging around the sales floor when I was at this magazine company. And so he told me what he was doing. I thought, wow, that sounds really, really cool. And so he's like, well, give me your resume and I'll, I'll give it to my boss. And he was working in a, he was working for a big global recruitment company. And next thing I know, I get a phone call and get invited for an interview. And so a lot of people, as you guys know, don't, they're not born thinking, hey, I'm going to be a recruiter. I didn't even know what the recruiting industry was, right? Right. So, I know. This seems to be a common theme for sure. Yeah. So it was it was through it was through a friend and a relationship that I had with somebody. And that was the start of my recruiting career. And I, I didn't realize it, but I had been recruiting before I even knew recruiting was a thing uh, when, when I was in college. Um, and so it, it was interesting. I mean, going through the interview process. Um, getting coached by my friend who worked at this agency. And uh, I, I remember, you know, I even remember some of the questions he asked me, like, why should I hire you? Um, so it, 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 was a, it was a significant start of what is, is now, you know, 20 some odd years. Yes, what a young man remembers. <laughs> I actually, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like that question, I think it's burned into everyone's head, you know, because it's kind of like a, uh, what do you want me? What do you want to hear? Like, why should I hire you, man? Do, do you you don't still ask candidates that, do you? No, I don't. But I oh, remember good. getting asked that question. I remember getting asked that. Yeah. question. it's scarring. Yeah. Um, it's a scarring thing to ask somebody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, well, it's and that's the thing when we're talking about hiring people. There's so many pet questions. Yeah, and biases that enter into the hiring process that in so many cases just aren't valid. And what scares me is what people extrapolate from that. You know, what's the meaning behind that? And what are they basing their decision on? Yes, exactly. Yeah, I come across it all the time and in, in looking at hiring, um, training hiring managers on how to interview the type of guides and everyone has their pet question. And when I dig deeper, it's like, okay, so what answer are you looking for? And what is a good answer? What's the wrong answer? They usually can't articulate something <laughs> so that true. for so long that, hey, it seems to work for them because everyone at one particular point thinks that they're an expert at hiring. Uh, so let's segue into what you built here with the six steps to hiring the best because like some of those points and one of them that I really liked and is building that ownership mindset. And when you talked about building an ownership mindset, you talk a lot about acquiring a hiring skill. And if you look at the economy, and I've been saying this for a while, is the economy is very much skill-based. Uh, mm -hmm. The pace of change in the economy and the way we work is, is more rapid than it's ever been. And one of the skills that everyone should have, one of them is sales. Everyone should know how to sell. No matter in what industry, that's a skill you need to go out. But the second one is actually hiring. Uh, recruiting is an aspect of it. So if we look at it, um, a lot of people don't have this skill mm -hmm. and we're talking about even recruiters that are new to the job, even recruiters that have been a while. Uh, we're talking about hiring managers. We're talking about new business owners. So if I don't have that skill, where should I start? It's a great question. And I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with. And that the fact that you identify it as a skill, it, it is a skill. And so if it is a skill, I think one of the things we have to ask ourselves is, is it an acquired skill or is it an innate skill? I think a lot of people, I think 
somehow extrapolate that it can be innate, that you're born with it. No, it's something you have to develop like any other, like most other skills, you you develop and work at it. So you have to go and if that's the case, there in order to develop a skill, there's knowledge you need and you need to practice. And so how do you acquire the knowledge? If there's a certain requisite amount of knowledge required, where do you go to try and find that? And it's so disparate and it's not neatly packaged for someone if that's what they're trying to do intentionally develop the ability to hire because it's so fragmented. I was trying to put a framework together. So I think the first thing that someone needs to do is identify it as a skill you're going to need to practice and start take, take a long time perspective on this and think about incremental improvement. One of my favorite sayings is that consistency outperforms intensity. And in hiring, the only time that people, I think in hiring and in job search, people typically practice it when they need to, only when they need to. So you're, you've got this intensity or these intense spurts where you're trying to get better at something where if it's really a skill that you want to develop, you need to practice it over a longer period of time. There needs to be consistency around how you develop that skill set and think of it as a, life, a lifelong career skill that you develop. I so agree. Like I wish more, well, I think really successful small business owners are always recruiting. Yes. They are always looking and, and what an awesome, awesome reminder. Um, if you're a small always, business but they're owner. they're not always hiring, right? Correct. They're recruiting, but they're not always hiring. <laughs> and I think understanding that those yes. are two separate yet very closely related items, they're separate. They are. And I'm glad you mentioned that they are separate. The ability to hire and the ability to recruit are two different things. And we mix them up all the time. In reality, you can be great at hiring, but shitty at recruiting and, and vice versa in that sense. So Absolutely. And you, you know what? One of the things that I think was, was a major developmental realization for me was, was that they are distinct things because my career for the longest time when you think about what a recruiter does an external recruiter a third-party recruiter our job is to recruit and our end result and i i don't want to say our end result but for a lot of for a lot of folks perhaps the end result is the hire Mm -hmm. so recruitment's over and the hire has occurred but to be successful at hiring that's really just the beginning because as the hiring manager you live with the results of your recruits Mm-hmm. And a recruiter's live and die by them, it, man. Get the yep. person hired and then move on to the next recruit. But as a hiring manager, it wasn't until I, I became a business owner and lived with my own recruits, tried to develop them and lead mm-hmm. them, that it put a different, it shed a different light on recruiting and how you evaluate people and assess people. Well, let's let's dig in a little bit deeper because you own a third-party staffing agency. Um, and you hire recruiters mm-hmm. and a lot of them sometimes are maybe fresh to the industry and I might be wrong. You can correct me or there's, they can always upgrade their skills. Where do you start with them? Where do you guide them to learn on the recruitment side, not the hiring side? How do you help them become a better recruiter? That mindset that I just talked about okay. is that the, the, it's, it's not just about getting somebody hired and moving on. It's, it's, problem solution. You're helping your customer solve a business problem, right? 
that's what we're trying to do. So unless you understand what it is that your customer is trying to do in their business, what problem are they trying to solve? Because filling a seat doesn't solve the problem. It just merely fills a seat. So there's different ways. And I think a lot of times, sometimes hiring managers haven't got clarity around that. Or if there's a committee of people that are involved in that, is what are the outcomes that you're trying to accomplish? And the only way to do that is ask good questions to find out what your customers, what, what outcomes are, I mean, are they looking for somebody who's just gonna show up to work every day, do the same job in and uh, day in and day out? Or are they a fast growth firm and they're looking for someone to build a team? There, there's so many different things that the executive or the manager in charge could have for the vision of their group. And you need to be in sync with what that is before you go and try and even think about what a, what a potential solution could be. So what I'm hearing, basically, the first thing someone should learn in that is the mastery of, and I hate this word, but mastery of the intake meeting in reality. Asking oh, absolutely. Great questions, really yeah. getting the need. I mean, it's, it's the same on, so for example, if we work together and you were a recruiter, search, and you came to me with a candidate, the first question I would ask you is, what's the candidate looking for? Where do they want to go in their career? What are they trying to accomplish? Because if that doesn't align with what your customer or the hiring manager is looking for, one of two things is going to happen. Candidate's going to quit or they're going to get fired because we didn't get to the most basic, even if they can do the job and do the job well, at some point, there's going to be an incongruency. Agreed. Uh, I, that's a tough thing to address with a new hire. <laughs> It is. And, you know, learning to ask great questions, thoughtful questions really means that, you know, and I love the way you put it is because I own it, right? It's not just checking boxes because that's uh, teaching people to check boxes. Did you ask this question? No, you ask great questions. So, um, you know, there's, can I, um, I'm going to switch gears just a little bit. Because there's something in your ebook that I thought we, I really wanted to hear you say more about. And that was, um, you, you talk about that during the pandemic, that you've seen more multiple offers to candidates than any other time previous three years. Yes. Um, that there was an unusual blip of talent available that under normal circumstances, we just would not have seen as active, right? Yes. Um, and that these people have incredible choice of options. I need to hear more about that. Can you, can you talk more about that? Because that's, maybe that's what people aren't talking about. Sure. Is that yeah. activity? Like what I've heard is actually the opposite with like people are staying put, right? Well, there's, yeah. So when you, when you whittle away and you get down to the point where you're at offer stage, so a lot of what we hear and see is kind of at a macro level in the market. But when you get down into specific searches and specific opportunities where the talent is coming down to the final steps in the hiring process where an offer is, is being uh, contemplated, there has been a lot of movement at that critical point in the recruitment process. When I talk about an unusual blip, I think that's the part that I would probably underline. Mm-hmm. Because there were layoffs, because there were people being released into the market that typically wouldn't have been, that afforded some organizations to access talent they might not have otherwise been able to access. And if they're the upper echelon of talent, 
organizations that are hiring, there, there, there was, I'm not gonna, it's not a feeding frenzy, that's a bit of a clumsy way of putting it, but quality, quality, high quality talent, though, so in my world, accounting and finance, so if you were in tax, you were an internal audit, financial planning and analysis, where you had particular data analysis skills, that is in high, high demand, people were getting three and four offers. Or in some cases, counter offers to stay where they are. And it's interesting what happens to the human psyche. I think fear has played a role for a lot of individuals and organizations and that changes human behavior. It either makes you latch on and stay where you are or you start looking fr frantically. And so we've seen that manifest itself in candidate behavior. And in, in some cases, um, hire, uh, hiring manager or an, an attempt to retain people as well. Yeah, when I read that section, I was really interested in that insight mm -hmm. because I'm seeing that on the tech side. I'm seeing multiple offers. I know in my world where really strong candidates are getting three, four offers, we're getting offer rejections that I never really had seen in a long time and definitely did not see when we're looking at April, May. But it really started to change for us anyways in September uh, where yeah. candidates, those top candidates, we were competing. If we weren't moving really quickly, we're losing them. So interesting to see we're seeing that across multiple verticals, um, which is a little bit surprising, but also makes complete sense because a lot of the talent is now in the market that they would never been available. So one of the things that like to dig in deeper and one of the things, this is why I believe talent pipelines, when we talk about talent pipelines, you have a context in your ebook, but I think there's context that we can leverage for our staffing, corporate recruiters, also for SMB. Um, it's really how you leverage your talent pipeline. And the way I see it is, too many times we go out in the market either posting on job boards or using different sources when that talent is already in your ATS, if you have one, or in for a lot of small business in your Excel spreadsheet somewhere. And it's like we kind of forget about them. It's completely out of thought. It's not something, and these candidates have already touched your brand, already know your brand, maybe have gone through an interview process. Maybe they were really strong. They just, one candidate was stronger. Um, like what's your advice for companies, SMBs, recruitment across the board in leveraging those past applicants um, that should be in your talent pipeline? It's a, it's a great question. And again, I think it comes down to perspective. If your perspective on High, learning to hire effectively, and you understand the relationship between recruitment and hiring. You, you understand that there is a relationship maintenance, there's a brand mm -hmm. component, and you made the point, sir, is that you need to learn how to sell. The best salespeople, in my opinion, understand that sales is a process. You have to have a process. If you have no, if there's no process to maintain a spot in someone's mind about your organization or you as a leader and you're a conscious thought, the relationship starts to wane. And so they forget and they go and do something else. But if you're, so we have systems at Horizon where we make sure that if, when someone enters our network, we do everything we can so that they don't escape our network, and it's an, out, an ongoing outbound effort to maintain visibility and connection with your talent pipeline. It's no different than 
on on the client side, meaning maintaining some present thought in your in your customer or candidate's mind mind share that you even exist. And so that takes intent, and it takes understanding that that's a part of what you need to do in order to be to be able to recruit effectively. Absolutely. A lot of agencies, uh, like staffing agencies, this is something that's bred in them. This is something that's pure as corporate. This seems to be a major challenge uh, across the board is like we haven't figured that out, even though we probably have the most tools of of anyone. Um, Like, What's your advice for an SMB, though, that probably doesn't really have any systems or process in place? Like, Where should they start? Great question. So I make the point in the book that... If, if you want to develop, if you want to become a great hiring manager, I, and I think I opened the book this way about becoming a great hiring manager, you need to view that as a, a core part of what you do. It's as important as whatever technical area you are. So if you're an engineer or you're an accountant or you're in marketing, whatever it is that you do, and you're going to lead and build teams, you need to be able to hire. And part of what I believe you should do is carve time out on a monthly basis to review your network. It could be as simple as a follow-up LinkedIn message or email or let, you know, if there's someone who's very high profile, it's been, you know, it's been a half a half year since we grabbed coffee. Let's do that. Yeah. Those types of things, but people get so busy and lose sight that it's, it's not a specific intentional conscious effort. I mean, this is, this is human nature, guys. I mean, we know we're supposed to take, save 10%. We know, we know we're supposed to exercise and eat the right stuff, but we don't do it. We, we As hiring managers, we know we should stay in touch, but they don't. So that's why they come to me and, and you know, or a third party and pay a fee because it, it's, it's just so much easier not to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? It is. And it's not natural. I think to some people, like I know those of us who are born um, business development or relationship development people, you know, and Serge, I'm looking at you, Jeremy, I'm looking at you, like maintaining relationships is just part of your DNA. And that, that may be learned, it may be innate, I don't know. But I think for some people, it's not, it's just not, you know, they, they yeah. have a different type of uh, reason why they've chosen to be an engineer, or chosen to be an accountant. But, um, you know, I, I, I think, it's easier said than done. And you're right. That is why um, your industry will never go away. That is yes. why the recruitment industry will never, ever evaporate because we recognize that it is only a percentage of the population that's really good at maintaining relationships. And that's, that's the staffing industry. Now, um, I, I want to bring us back to something, though, because you really tweaked on something. And that is when we were talking about this... Um, release of talent into the market and how quickly you had to move. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and especially Serge, I think you both, both you and Jeremy brought it up is that this, this is a quality of talent that maybe otherwise may not have been on the market here in this last say September to December timeframe. Um, and so what is, is there anything that you can point to Jeremy that talks about, you know, both speed and quality, like how quickly you meet like how quickly you respond to people. Is that what you mean by speed? Um, when, when you are being so um, in, in the market and always recruiting or, or does that refer more to the hiring side that we need to get hiring managers to, to move more quickly if you want to grab quality talent? 
Like where well, were you headed with that? It, it, it would be, it would be, it would be a bit of both. I mean, so a, as a hiring manager, yes. I mean, I, I mean, starting and understanding what you're looking for and when you've got the solution in front of you acting on it, because you understand that that's the, that's a, a viable solution to your issue mm-hmm. that, that impacts speed. And I think that impacts quality. Cause if you're kind of blowing with the wind or you, you think you'll know when you see it, you're oh, kind of leaving you're kind of leaving it to chance. Oh. Yes. Oh my gosh. I know right. it when I see it. I've actually heard hiring managers say that. Just keep bringing me people. <laughs> oh yeah, my no. god. I think every recruiter has heard that so many times and I would say on average I probably hear it 50% of the time and that's not a good answer for me. I'll dig in deeper because I'm not wasting my time trying to guess exactly who you're hiring. But mm-hmm. to to your point I think when we look at it's always it's a challenge. It's a challenge with hiring managers uh, when we're talking about the necess- I, I think they sometimes forget what it is to be in the job market. And if you have multiple options, you're going through the company that treats you the best and is really moving quickly, giving you updates, is going to stand a better chance when it comes to multiple offers in any way. So I don't think speed means that you lose quality. It's just how you assess quality. Is- you, you can. So, I mean, at, at- as, a, as specializing in a specific area should, I mean, that's one of the major reasons why customers go to a third-party recruiter is to yeah. increase speed, speed yeah. and quality. So if, if all you're doing is recruiting accounting and finance folks, you should be able to do it quicker. There should be, and I hate this term, but I'll use it. It's a little bit crude. It's, it's inventory. If I've got inventory of the appropriate talent, I've, I've got a warehouse of talent. I can go and, and, and deliver that to you a lot quicker. It's like, it's like you came and said, hey, listen, I want the biggest, freshest strawberries. And then I had to go and find the field where they are and then go and look for those and pick them and, and then bring them back to you. That could take a couple of days. I already had them picked sitting on a bench and I had a shop set up. He said, oh, I want those. Their speed and quality. So we're, we're doing the work that others wouldn't, they just don't have the capability or time to do. So it increases speed and quality. But there, there's an important point that I want I want to make here about 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 what we hear about the market, Shelley. You know, we get reported in headlines and news aggregate data, high level data about about the employment rate or whatever the case may be. Right. But even though the employment the unemployment rate may have gone up, there could still be an underlying skill shortage in a specific niche area, and that's what we're seeing in our specialized areas. Just because you throw more volume into the marketplace, if there's layoffs or whatever, they, or you know, adverse economic conditions, it doesn't eliminate the, the pre-existing underlying shortage of talent in a specific niche. Excellent. And so I think that hiring managers sometimes mm-hmm. understand that. Yeah. And so just because you're getting lots of applications doesn't mean you're getting quality. Yes. Yeah. And when I agree with that. I think we're seeing that as far as skill gap has been a major challenge. It's not like it's matching what the actual needs are in the market with what actual skills are there. And I think a situation like this actually just highlights those skills gap in those particular sectors. So, so we, we've talked a lot about different ways how you can become a better hiring manager, better recruiter. But one of the things that I think we always forget is how so we got them hired we've got them excited uh, the process went smooth everyone's so excited in this new hire they start on the first day and i've seen this in many organizations 
I've walked and seen a new employee um, sitting by himself having lunch on their first day. Like that oh, just breaks fail. my heart. It, oh, it yeah. breaks my heart in that sense. And that's just a bad experience. But if that's wrong, it means a lot of things are wrong. So, but we've become in 2020, I think this is the year where we figured out or we need to onboard effectively remotely for a lot of industries, not all. And this has become, we've had shitty onboarding practice and now we're trying to take that shitty onboarding practice and bring it online. Um, so I, I'd like to know your thoughts because I'm pretty passionate about this one, onboarding and onboarding virtually doesn't mean you have an excuse to suck. It's really, in, in some ways, I think it's way easier, but I'd like to know your thoughts about onboarding, I guess, remotely, virtually, how, how matter you want to call it. Well, whether it's on it's remotely or in in person, the the length of time that it takes to effectively onboard somebody, you're you're not going to onboard somebody in in a couple of days. You're not going to onboard somebody in a couple of weeks. It there's a you need to have a longer time perspective to have somebody onboard. In fact, I think the best organizations they look at it. They're, they're thinking in in many months, not weeks. I mean. Nine, nine months? I mean, there's a variety of things that you need to go through to onboard somebody. And what are you trying to accomplish? So I look at things like, you know, job, people, and culture. They need to be onboarded about the job, the things that they know need to have access to, the tools that they're going to use. But then they also need to know about the culture. They need to know about the key people in the organization. Those are kind of the three buckets that we look at. And if you leave that to chance or leave it to someone else to try and figure out on their own, that might, you could have had the perfect recruiting process, but if you don't onboard somebody and you have, you, you've got checklists of things that need to be covered off, they've got a mentor, you take a long time perspective, you check in to make sure that they're, they're, they're being, they're being welcomed. All of those things are just amplified and become more difficult when you push that virtual. Because when when that when the when the uh, when the screen uh, when the Zoom meeting is over, and they're sitting in their basement, it's like oh shit! Like what now? It, how how does someone reach out and have a lifeline to get access to the items that they need? It it provides another level of complexity. But I think I have to give credit to a lot of organizations. They've been creative and they they've figured figured out solutions to to make make that happen. Yeah, you're right. I've seen a lot of companies do a really good job at it. I've seen a lot of companies not do a good job as well, but I think we're adapting. And if you take a step back, I think it's giving the opportunity to look at the whole onboarding program that they have, that they maybe have been running for 20, 25 years, 10 years, 15 years. And it sucked for that whole amount of time. And now they're like, okay, this is a change. We need to look at the overall picture of it. Yeah. Um, really good points, Jeremy. Curious. So I read this. It took me, I don't know, like half an hour to read your ebook. Uh, where can people get it? Because mm-hmm. uh, I think it's valuable for our listeners. I think it's valuable for anyone that's hiring or recruiting. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, simple. If it's, it's on it's on the Horizon Recruitment website. So it's horizonrecruit.com slash blog. So if, if anyone goes there, it's, it's the first um, post there with a download link. And uh, it, it's free and in half an hour. Is, that was the idea. I didn't, I didn't want it to be this long, arduous thing. It was meant to get, you know, get in, get out, get some high level, good quality data and, and a framework that you can hopefully practically uh, utilize. Yeah. What's your favorite recruitment book? 
Higher with Your Head by Lou Adler. Higher, okay. Oh, yes. I love Lou Adler. I really do. I really do. I think he's uh, um, one of the thought leaders. Well, he's so... One of the original. Yeah, he, he's so practical. Well, not practical, but he's so... Um, thought out and methodical yes um and he, he has kind of a, a lean manufacturing way of looking at things yeah and his his one interview question technique is 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 brilliant um yeah no i i, I appreciate lou's perspective on a, on a lot of things yeah me too me too i love his work awesome thank you jeremy for um for joining us for for your ebook and for making it free Absolutely. Um, do you know, I really, uh, I feel a kinship between us three because uh, that's really where, why we're here, right? Is to share our knowledge. Um, and that's what the Recruitment Flex podcast is all about. So I want to thank you so much for, um, for putting this book out. We'll make sure that we include the link here when we uh, send out our advertisements and our flyers. So exactly. wishing you every success. Jeremy, before we go, where can we find you? I forgot. Oh, yes, you personally. <laughs> well, right now, like like you, sir, I'm sitting in my basement. Um, well, <laughs> but I'm I'm online. Uh, my my LinkedIn profile it's, it's Jeremy Tiffin, um, and uh, on the Horizon Recruitment website, there'll be a link there to me as always. Well, or my email address jtiffin at horizonrecruit.com. Okay. Uh, thank you. Find. Really appreciate having you on. Great. It's always always enjoyable talking to both of you. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. We'll talk soon. All right. Take care. Take care. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.